you know, we have this sort of conundrum of like, do I take the data to the compute? Do I move the compute to the data? Will it always sort of follow this pattern of like, everything's just going to be in the cloud or it's going to be a data center? I think we're going to go through an interesting transition. Welcome to Altitude, the unsung heroes of cloud transformation, a podcast by Aviatrix. Today, more and more enterprises are moving their business up to the cloud as the race to innovate continues. In this multi-cloud world, IT leaders and teams find themselves behind the wheel where they are confronted with both new challenges and new opportunities. On Altitude, we explore the voices and stories of the people who are overcoming these challenges every day to drive their business to the next level. Be sure to subscribe on your preferred listening app and stay tuned for this episode. Hello and welcome everyone to another fantastic episode of Altitude and Happy New Year to you all. I, of course, am Woody Woodworth. I'm joined today by a very special guest, Brian Gracely, who is well-known in the industry for a bunch of different things. He is really the uh, director of product strategy at Red Hat, but also known and loved by many as the host and producer of the podcast, The Cloudcast. So Brian, welcome. Oh, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me on. It's, uh, it's good to be with you. And uh, you and I did a podcast not too long ago, so it's good to be doing this again. Yeah, thanks for coming on the show. This is great. There's never a dull moment in our industry, which is really fun. If you're in the podcasting arena or just into the industry growth and transformation arena, being that we're just here in 2024, it's a great time to, for, for me to kind of first look backwards into our industry and think about what was happening a little earlier and then maybe make some predictions and contribute some thoughts to what the future holds and pretends for, for the cloud industry. So one of the things that we haven't really talked about on this show is the trajectory of cloud in terms of its fundamental business model. And what I mean about that is, you know, anyone who's been paying attention who hasn't lived under Iraq in the last uh, couple of years knows that cloud exploded in 2020 and 2021 due to COVID and work from home and all of the digitization and migration of workloads. It was healthy before that, but that really made a big difference in the industry. There was a rush to capitalize on cloud. Brian, do you think that what I call the great migration to cloud is starting to, to tail off? Yeah, it's a great question. I think we're seeing not so much that the cloud is, you know, is, is sort, of, sort of become its worst enemy, so it's slowing down. But I think we're just seeing the kind of rationalization that we, you know, getting, getting back to you know, what we saw pre-COVID, which was really do things make sense in the cloud, right? So from a, from a purely an economic perspective, we've seen so many companies talk about they have been, you know, trying to normalize their spend, rationalize their spend. So, you know, did all those workloads make sense in the cloud or did we just do it because, you know, it didn't make sense at the time to have people go into data centers and risk their health and all that sort of stuff. You know, and I, and I think the other piece of it is we get into, you know, more and more use cases that are, Maybe they'd make sense at the edge. I mean, they still make sense in the data center. We've seen, uh, you know, skill sets uh, improve and technology improve such that, you know, some of that scalability that you could you previously could only do in the cloud, you can now, you know, do in your data center, you know, you're using a Kubernetes or you're using other, you know, other types of technologies. So I don't know if we're so much getting to like peak migrate to the cloud, but I think we're getting to more of a rationalization that people were like, look, you know, I had to do what I had to do when COVID happened. We had to keep our businesses running. We had to keep people employed, all those types of, you know, real life, you know, basic survival level things. And, and now, you know, the economy is a little different. The interest rates are a little different than they were previously. And, and so, you know, just the reality of, 
of the bottom line, the reality of, of uh, you know, just business 101 is kicking in. Yeah. Do you think cloud providers are doing enough to help control spend? I mean, I know there's both macro and micro economic factors that have led to people reevaluating the amount of spend they have in cloud. And it's not, I'm not trying to point the finger at, at the big CSPs and say your business model is out of whack, but they have to respond just like everyone else, you know, to, to the economy. And for example, I think of the news yesterday and, and even this morning, I saw more layoffs at AWS and, and Google. So the, the bloodletting kind of continues smaller than we saw last year. Are they realizing that they need to tighten the belt a little bit for their customers? Or are they kind of just putting blinders on and saying, ah, business as usual? I don't want to sort of speculate as, as to how they think about things. I, I think the yeah. reality with the cloud providers is, for the most part, as much as we, we like to compare them, so we'll compare Amazon and Azure and Google or whoever it might be, you know, they're, they're still fundamentally sort of a small oligopoly in terms of, you know, there, there really is only a few of them. Obviously, they, they keep a, a very tight watch on each other. So you don't really see, you know, wildly different costs, you know, compute from one to the other. They're all basically within a, within a range. But for the most part, you know, part of their business model is designed around the idea of while they talk about being, you know, incredibly sort of customer focused and customer friendly, and they've done a great job of saying, look, you know, what services do you want? We will eventually have all of them, right? Amazon's got 200 plus services at this point. Yeah. Yeah. There are, there are definitely aspects of their business that aren't necessarily, you know, quote unquote, customer friendly, right? So just in the most basic sense, you know, the idea that, um, you know, bringing data into the cloud is essentially free, right? So movement into the cloud is free. Right. But, you know, pulling data out of the cloud or using, you know, outbound networking, egress networking and so forth is, is extremely high. And, and the pricing has essentially never really come down. And so the idea that, you know, you're, you're always looking out for your customer's best interest, you could probably justify that in some way. But from purely a pricing perspective, no, I, I, you know, I don't know that, that they're going out of their way to say, look, let me help you cut your bill in half. I think they do, you know, they do a number of things that, are applicable to certain things, right? So for example, you've seen uh, a lot of the cloud providers roll out ARM-based CPUs, right? So the ability to do, you know, lower cost CPU, but but that doesn't come for free, right? You still have to make sure your application can use that CPU. Um, you know, so, so there are some aspects like that. You've seen customers get smart and say things like, well, do I need five replicas of a data set? Maybe I only need three replicas of a data set or, you know, other real low level things like that. It brings up a really interesting question that, that we see all the time. I guess if we were trying to get sort of macro about this as opposed to just pointing a finger at one cloud provider or another, you know, anytime we see situations in which a company, you know, this could be your telco provider, you know, your telephone provider, your internet provider, your cloud provider, whoever it is, you know, feels like they get sort of lackadaisical about being customer obsessed, about trying to make a better experience for you, it does introduce, you know, opportunities for competition to come along. So you know, right now, for example, you know, we're talking about, you know, the cost of things and, and there's a huge phenomenon going on in, in technology out there called FinOps. So there's lots mm -hmm. of tools out there to help people reduce their cost or at least have visibility of their cost. But none of these are necessarily being driven by the cloud providers. They're sort of added on and bolted on by the cloud providers. If somebody really wanted to be aggressive. So for example, if just as an example, if you were Google and you said, Hey, I'm tired of being number three. I want to be much more aggressive in, in trying to attract customers. And I'm going to try and be visible about we are going to be less expensive, but we're also going to be more active in helping you do that. They could go about doing that. There are things they could be doing 
if they wanted to be aggressive about doing this. It just, you know, none of them have necessarily decided that's, you know, that's the tack they want to take with customers. It's like a lot of things in our world, you know, the technology is out there to make it happen. It's just a matter of, is that a priority for people? Great comment, great segue, because my theory is, I think the CSPs fundamentally understand their customers and their business model. I mean, they have a lot of really smart people working in that arena. And I think they understand that unless we see another, I'm going to call COVID an aberration. I don't mean to, to downsize it or, or minimize it, but it was definitely not business as usual. So unless right. we see another surprising catalyst like that, I think they know that all of the workloads and data specifically that was easy to move into cloud by those companies that were really hungry to be in cloud early, usually in your Fortune 500 enterprise group, those have been moved. If you didn't kind of move it in 2020 and 21, it was probably because you weren't ready for cloud, you weren't interested in it, or the data was simply too hard to move. Like it just ran right. better on-prem. But I think they are banking on AI and not just generative AI, but all the different facets of AI and machine learning to drive the next wave of what they hope to be migrations. Would you agree with that? Well, I think it's definitely, AI is definitely the thing that you know, has, has over the last year just ex sort of exploded in terms of people's interest. And, and AI is interesting because if you were somebody who has sort of lived and, and, and been doing work in the AI space, you would say, man, I've been working on this for 15 years or 20 years, or, you know, this research has been evolving over time and so forth. But because now all of a sudden, you know, ChatGPT comes along and just like sort of when the iPhone first came out, it was like, oh, here's an interface, a simple, you know, friendly user interface to this super powerful technology that, that kind of existed in different forms in the past. All of a sudden, everybody's like, you know, AI is, AI is the future because it's, it's touchable, it's usable, it feels, you know, tangible to things. So yeah, they're, they're, they're all making a bet on that because if you're a business owner, you're thinking about, you know, what, what's the possibility of this technology? You know, can it help me reduce cost? Uh, you know, maybe it's a, it's a chat bot that's helping to enhance my, my call center experience. You know, and I, and I think they're all thinking about both top line and, and bottom line things in terms of AI. And so the cloud providers, because there's so much unknown about what AI, what AI could do for you, right? Good and bad. They're rushing like crazy to make sure that when this next gold rush happens, when the next, uh, you know, possibilities happen, they're, they're there and waiting for it. So yeah, I think they are, they're all betting on it. You know, the good news for them is to a certain extent, it feels like an incremental lift of things like GPUs and other stuff. But the, the, the challenging part of it is there's so much kind of, you know, unknown about it that, it, it, you know, I think they're, they're basically doing what we've seen a lot in, in tech, which is I'm just going to, I'm just going to push a lot of chips in and hope that, you know, being there with big pools of, of possibilities are, are going to be, you know, things that people, people, you know, run to. Uh, Cause yeah, you're right. It's, they're probably also looking at, okay, our growth rates is a, as a, as an overall number you know, have been slowing. They're not down, you know, to zero, but right. every one of the major cloud providers, their growth as a percentage has been slowing down over the last couple of years. You know, I think they're looking for how do we get this back up into 30, 40, 50, 70% growth rates that they've had, uh, you know, just a couple of years ago. And I think right now AI looks like the, you know, the, the thing that they're all betting on. Yeah. You know, if you dig around a little bit, in, in the, the industry blogs and the, you know, the, the, the websites that are tracking infrastructure, it's pretty obvious that they are 
doubling, tripling down on closing in on being the top providers and hosters, I guess, for lack of a better term, of AI chips. So, of course, there's, you know, the 800-pound gorilla NVIDIA. But I think what's happening is very similar to what happened to regular merchant silicon and x86 in cloud maybe five or six years ago, which is they get tired of paying NVIDIA their juicy profits. They're big shops. They've got tens of thousands of capable employees. AWS is developing and has developed uh, their own AI chipset. It's Trainium and Infer- Inferium, I think. One to set for training and one to set for inference. I just right, watched the right. little news clip on that. Microsoft and Google, of course, are doing the same. If you follow the money and follow the deep commitments to innovation, they are definitely betting the farm, in my opinion. What's interesting about that is there are some industry analysts. So, for example, there was an article that came out in Forbes recently, and I I caught it on LinkedIn. And let me make sure I quote the author correctly to give him due credit. Arangazab Khan, a Forbes council member. So this came out on Forbes. And he said, okay, so right, there's going to be, like you said, I love that term, this AI gold rush. And certainly the CSPs are working very hard to grow and foster that. Like you said, they're looking to get their business back to those really high levels of consumption, kind of in the glory days, if you will. Right. But maybe this migration will look different. Maybe the edge is where things will really blow up. And and this is looking at AI holistically, not as just, you know, gen AI, which is obviously a very consumer focused tool and still very young, but just all of the facets that AI can be used for in terms of intelligent vehicles, intelligent sensors, aiding in manufacturing, everything that's happening in the workplace. I'm just curious about your thoughts on this. Maybe it's not going to be lift and shift anymore. Maybe it will look something different. What do you think? AI is a really interesting different trend or different era, I think, in that when when cloud came along, cloud for the most part wasn't necessarily like a new technology. There wasn't some some new capability out of the covers. It was really um, people were frustrated with with their IT organizations, right? So the business basically realized we need to, you know, sort of digitize our experience, the whole blah, blah, digital transformation thing mm-hmm. that everybody talked about. You know, they went to their IT organizations and they said, hey, we need you to essentially move from being a group that we measure for stability and, and consistency and uptime to a group that overnight, I need you to move fast and I need you to be able to scale and deal with uh, you know, experiments and all this stuff. And, and they were sort of like, okay, I don't have those muscles. That's not something that we've, we've done. So, so cloud evolved out of that, but it was essentially, you know, it was same sort of storage for the most part. Yes, object came along, but it was it was storage and compute and networking and SQL databases and Ethernet and IP. So there wasn't like some radically new technology, right? So the ability to say, hey, what I used to do in one place, I could replicate in the cloud was was pretty straightforward. And then I got all the benefits of it moving fast and on demand and, and API driven and so forth. AI is sort of different in that it does have this one, at least one unique characteristic, which is its GPUs, which, you know, sort of new technology and so forth. And then it has this other unique characteristic, which is in order to make the, the GPUs are sort of useless unless they're paired with models, which means they're paired with data. And, and this is where we sort of get into this interesting uh, conundrum of, of locality. Where So on one hand, you've got the cloud providers loading up on GPUs. So, so GPUs are living in the, in the clouds, in the hyper cloud, but yet 
So much of the stuff that's unique for businesses lives in their data centers. It lives in knowledge bases. It lives in databases that, you know, sort of data lakes and all this stuff. Yes. And so we have this, you know, we have this sort of conundrum of like, well, how do I, you know, do I take the data to the, to the, to the compute? Do I move the compute to the data? Will it always sort of follow this pattern of like, everything's just going to be in the cloud or it's going to be the data center and your, your article, you know, smartly points out like the edge is this whole new sort of thing. So I think we're going to go through an interesting transition, whereas and we've seen this with networking, you guys see this all the time, like the next generation doesn't mean the last generation of networking is just going to follow immediately, right? We went from north and south, the east and west and all sorts of stuff. I, I say this all the time. I feel like AI is sort of the, the killer application for hybrid cloud. And mm -hmm. I know people have different opinions on hybrid cloud. Is it a real thing? But when you now have this issue of like, locality matters, location matters. And I may have to move some things around. I might, I might build a model locally. I might train it in the cloud with a bunch of GPUs, but I might be using that model for you know, autonomous driving. Now you get into this thing of like, well, there's not just one cloud. I need consistency in location. AI in the sense of like, what sort of impact will it have? Yes, it'll have a ton of business impact, but I think it's going to have a ton of architectural impact on how we think about clouds, how we think about location, where's my data, where's my compute. You know, I think there's, there's probably going to be a lot of evolution that'll happen here in the next few years, just because of that, there is something different to this than there was in sort of cloud 1.0. Yes. I think we are tilting fairly heavily into more entropy, not less entropy. I think things mm -hmm. with AI will get more complicated at an infrastructure level, at a user experience level, the promise of AI is it's drastically more efficient and in some ways simple because you can get so much information and experience from this one chat interface or this one app. But the infrastructure that's going to be built, I think, is going to summon a new wave of architects and security professionals and experts to do this. And I think there might even be people that just focus their careers on AI architecture, because speed and agility, both is the speed of the network and the speed of the application, but also how fast you can roll these services out and, and get them into consumers' hands will be hyper-competitive. Yeah. And, here, and here's another way to think about this, right? So we see shifts when there's, when there's very clear sort of economic changes in what technology can do. And then we see drifts when, when they're sort of like, oh, but it could get somewhat better, right? So let me, let me give you an example. So uh, you and I are both have been around this long enough. When virtualization came along in our in our space, the the economic impact of virtualization was so immediate and so obvious. It was you are over provisioning, you're underutilizing your compute resources. You apply this technology, you will save money, and and it was super visible right away. So it was like the great T TCO study that everybody always looks for. And we lived through that and that was a great decade and everybody got very efficient at running their data centers. Then we sort of said, well, let's, let's make developers smarter, like more efficient. And we built microservices and we've done some stuff with containers and Kubernetes. And while you could point to saying, hey, you can build an application faster, you can deploy it faster, like the economic benefit of it was sort of not always super, super obvious. In some cases it was more obvious. So that was more of kind of a drift, right? AI is one of those things that, you know, even in the earliest things that we're seeing coming out, people are pointing to going, my developers are 50% more efficient, or 
you know, this thing that we've applied it to is um, helping to close mortgages at a 100% faster efficiency rate. It's another shift because economically people are able to see what it is. So to your point of like, will people become sort of AI specific? Yeah, the same way I think that they became virtualization specific because the business was like, I want that technology. I think we'll also see, of course, not surprisingly, more diversification and choice in the market. So there was an article recently uh, from the Wall Street Journal that talked about some tremors in the force, if you will, with chat GPT and open AI, of course, with the Sam Altman yep. back and forth, he's gone, he's back. And right. that, I think that was an early eye opener to some businesses to say, whoa, I better have an insurance policy here. I better be uh, pursuing a multi-vendor strategy. For example, there's Llama 2. That's, is that an open source one? Yes, that, uh, that's an open source that came out of Facebook. Okay, okay. The trend will be towards more diversification. And I remember that Wall Street Journal article mentioned that um, people are pursuing applications. It, you know, it, it wasn't super specific about the architecture, but probably from an API perspective, they could almost shift, not on the fly, but pretty close, like HA for AI. So chat GPT, for example, hypothetically doesn't perform correctly. Um, or has some kind of issue of, of any nature, security breach, that would be a terrible thing. But, you know, just basically doesn't right. give answers back in a time frame that the business needs. They can shift to another engine. So here's yeah, another opportunity for, I mean, and that, it sounds great and easy from, again, the, the development perspective. Hey, I'm just going to point my AI to something else or have a timeout or a queue or, you know, if I'm not getting an answer, I'm going to have a function or a, a, you know, a script that just, changes me over. But from the networking standpoint, security standpoint, that's a lot of work. Like the immediate thing that anybody that's in, you know, infrastructure operations, security, networking, you're going to see an immediate push sort of chat GPT like functionality built into products and, and think of them as, as like co-pilots more so than like chat GPT. So, you know, the idea, I'll, I'll give you an example. I know we're, we're not really talking about products per se, but like the Ansible project that tons of people use for automation of lots of things, networking, security, storage, OS, and so forth. You know, the Ansible project uh, has been working, you know, how do I take this corpus of, of knowledge in the community, right? All these playbooks that have been built before and essentially applied a, a large language model to that and basically said, hey, you know, if you want to use this tool, and in this case, it's Ansible to do some sort of thing, you know, why are you sort of doing it on an island? Why can't you do it Sort of backed by the power of this enormous community of people that have you know been through what you're trying to do, they've configured things certain ways. You'll start to see more and more products in the infrastructure space, in the monitoring space, and all sorts of spaces that like put that that expert on your shoulder, and build it into the product, so that if somebody comes to you and says, "Hey, yeah, I I need you to build sort of HA for this system we're building." And it's going to be more dynamic than before. You can kind of be like, hey, system, how do I go about doing that? Like, I've never done that. So I think we're going to see that immediately. We're going to start seeing those all over the place in 2024. I'm going to go back to an earlier comment you made, because before I was setting up for this podcast, I was thinking to myself about boom and bust cycles. You know, the original boom and bust of the internet. What was it? Was it yep. 2000? You know, where Yeah, two thousand, two thousand one. Yeah, we all thought that pets.com was gonna was gonna deliver our dog food for us. Yes. And eventually it it did, right? I mean, a lot of those early ideas came to fruition, but it took a bit longer to work out. 
And we right. had to kind of wait for some of the technology to develop to be able to, to deliver on that expectation. I'm not saying that AI is going to be subject to vicious boom and bust cycle, cycles, because I think, like you said, it's a paradigm shift. We've discussed this on a previous uh, podcast with Choice Hotels. It feels very different this time. In the same way, again, to, to use a tired analogy, there will be fluctuations in smartphone and mobile device you know, market consumption. But will mobile devices just dry up and blow away? No. They've become embedded in our daily lives and routines, you know, just like TV and radio. Like it's going to be a very, very long cycle with AI. But the question is, where do you think um, AI could stumble? Oh, it's gosh. It's probably not going to be a perfect run. No, it's a great, it's a great question. I mean, it's, um, I did just, just to, to give a plug and, and uh, you know, you and I have done these before. So we, I actually just did a, a three-part series of shows of podcasts that sort of have looked at the last three eras of this. So, you know, if, if people are of a certain age and they're like, Hey, I, I'm curious how this happened. Then I, the reason I did that was history in tech has a tendency to repeat itself. So, you know, if, if you're interested to go back and listen to that, I mean, what we'll see in with AI is, you know, like we've seen what we, like we saw with cloud, for example. So, so the things that worked with cloud immediately that were successful were, I'm going to try and do things natively. I'm not going to try and force some old thing onto mm -hmm. it, right? So, you know, technology when it's early is always built for, you know, a few use cases, you know, a few things to do well. So, you know, we'll see people try and force some weird legacy type of model or framework or something onto AI, and they'll probably, you know, run into bumps and hurdles. We'll see people that executives will go off to conferences and they're going to come back and they're going to go, all right, team, by the end of the week, I need us to have an AI strategy. We're going to be AI first with all of our applications. And we saw that with cloud, right? People right. all of a sudden were like, we have to move everything to the cloud overnight, whether it makes sense or not. And then, you know, we, like we've seen with cloud here even recently where people are like, wait a second, why am I paying so much? You know, why am I paying so much money for this stuff? I didn't, I didn't know that I left it running for that long or I had no idea that you know, an application could cost that much, you know, because we used to depreciate our servers and stuff. So, you know, we're going to hear some horror stories of people who, you know, tried to run a project, tried to have their data science team get built. Those are the most obvious things that'll happen. Um, yeah. You know, the, the other things are, are going to be some of the stuff you talked about, like, which model do I pick? Do I pick like a, like a, like a discussion that we've been having quite a bit and I think the industry's having is, you know, do I pick the do I pick the one one model that that solves all my problems? So, just as an example, OpenAI is sort of positioning themselves as, you know, we have one model for everything. You wanna you wanna write code, you wanna generate images, you wanna do marketing text. You can just you know interact with our one model. I don't know if that's the best approach. What if there's a great image generating model from Adobe? What if there's a great you know, marketing text thing from HubSpot? What if there's a great, uh, you know, coding thing that comes from GitHub? I think a lot of the lessons that we've learned before will make the same mistakes. Mm -hmm. I think that the thing that'll be interesting, and we saw this with cloud as well, is you're also going to see a number of, I mean, people are going to be looking, as much as people are happy to watch a car crash on the side of the road when they gawk and they drive by, they really are, people are pretty positive. They want to know, the good stories. Like, how did you make your business better? Like, yeah. I'd like to emulate that, but, you know, so, you know, we're going to see a lot of stories of, of successes and some of them are going to seem really small, like, oh, 
this hotel sort of replaced their late night concierge ser- service with a you know chat GPT thing. So when you show up at the hotel at 11 o'clock at night and you're tired and you're like, hey, what's the best place to order pizza? You don't have to worry if you ding the bell if the person comes out or if they're you know doing something. Like, you'll see little things like that. And then you're going to see big stories like, hey, uh, this, this mining company has figured out a way to be 50% more efficient at drilling holes to find energy or something like that. So right. I think people are going to be on the lookout for both the exciting projects because they want to emulate them because, you know, again, their boss told them, hey, go make the business better. You know, we're going to kind of point at the person that goes, I mean, you should have turned those GPUs off. It's, it's your fault that you got a million dollar bill, right? But, <laughs> you know, we've been here before with those types of things before. Yeah. So in summary, some things the same. Some of the mistakes about consuming CSP services and not having a good FinOps department and FinOps tools, you know, could bite people in the AI realm. So just, you know, good day two hygiene, good visibility, good cost control, um, making sure you explore the marketplace for FinOps tools and cost control tools that that work well in your environment. Because I agree, the CSPs, they're not anti FinOps. I mean, you know, they want their customers to be happy, but to your point, they're they're not investing a tremendous amount in in this realm. They're mostly focused on the services that that drive the revenue, as opposed to services that they're they're like every business. They're like every business, and you can't you can't slide over that. But then some new things too, where we might see an explosion of edge. Um, Mm -hmm. We might see some new architectures. We, I agree, we'll certainly see some roles and some people focusing their careers specifically on AI. And then hopefully we'll see, like you said, small incremental improvements in just our daily lives. But then these moments, certain sectors in the business absolutely revolutionize. It'll be interesting to see. Any other final thoughts for our listeners about what the future the next two years might hold? Yeah, I'll, I'll throw out this one last thing. Um, I was I was fortunate enough to be around cloud when it first took off. And, and there was a lot of people who, uh, you know, were, we're obviously doing what we always do in tech, which is, hey, let's talk about the new stuff. Um, but what, what was always interesting to me was, was any of them that had been around for a previous generation were always the ones saying, look, cloud is exciting. Cloud will let you do a lot of interesting things. But if you're not good, the fundamentals of IT, because again, cloud is just sort of an extension of IT, you're probably not going to be good at cloud. And I think what will, you know, what people should learn going into this one is, AI and a lot of the things you have to do to be successful with AI are going to be built on those fundamentals that you should have learned over the last 10 years of how to do cloud, how to do things on demand, yes. how to have integrated you know, development infrastructure teams, those types of things. So yes, you'll have some one-off teams go off and do something successful with cloud or with AI. But if you want to do AI at sort of scale, make sure that you know, you're, you're good at FinOps, you're good at DevOps, you're good at uh, you know, the things that, that came before it, make sure your, your foundationals and your fundamentals are good because otherwise, you know, you, none of us want you to be that, uh, you know, that, that case that, that fails. We want to see you be successful. Yeah. Um, but, but more times than not, when your fundamentals aren't there and you're just focused on the sizzle as opposed to the, to the steak, if you will, yes. um, that's where you sort of get yourself in trouble. So, you know, that's, Having gone through a couple of cycles, that's always the thing I always come back to with people is, is get the fundamentals right. And then, yeah, you know, then the sky's the limit sometimes. Words of wisdom from a very wise man. Brian, thank you so much for your time, for coming on the show and for sharing all Thanks, your thoughts Woody. and insights. And let's stay in touch. Maybe we'll do Absolutely. another episode 
uh, six, eight months from now. We'll see how things are unfolding. We'll just uh, mark our progress. So yeah, this has been great. Enjoyed the conversation.